Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, this is Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and the program you're about to listen to is called Chosen People. And God chose the Jewish people for his plan and purposes, and we're here to help you better understand the Hebrew Scriptures and how the Hebrew Scriptures point to Jesus the Messiah. And today we're going to cover a very important passage, Deuteronomy chapter 18. It's part of the Torah portion for the week, and this Torah portion has a Hebrew name, Shoftim, which means judges, and this Torah portion includes Deuteronomy 16 through Deuteronomy chapter 21. So the Jewish people in synagogue read through the Torah every year, and they were actually getting towards the end of it, and we will have some special celebrations and holidays, and then once we're done, the Jewish people will begin it again. So for over 5,000 years, at least, almost six, Jewish people have been reading the five books of Moses almost since it was uh, given at Mount Sinai. I'm not saying Jewish people have always done a great job obeying the Torah, but God gave us the Torah to give us a standard uh, to understand his will so that we wouldn't wander in darkness, but we would have the light of God's word. And uh, as God enables the Jewish people and has enabled the Jewish people through the years to reflect the light of God's word to the nations, as the promise was made to Abraham, I will bless those who bless thee, curse those who curse thee, and through you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And one of those great blessings that God is using the Jewish people for, even in this current day and age, is to continue to give the word of God, at least the first part of the scriptures, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, to give this first part of the Bible to the world. This is a great gift that God has uh, given to the Jewish people, not to hoard or to keep to themselves, but to give to the world. There's an Old Testament theologian that I studied years ago named H.H. Rowley, great British name. And Dr. Rowley said, if there was any group of people that should have started an international Bible society, it should have been the Jewish people. (laughs) And isn't that the truth? And You could not even know who the Messiah is. How would you know Jesus is the Messiah if he didn't meet the criteria that's found in the Old Testament, even in the five books of Moses, and then, of course, the prophets? And so we're going to go through this and would like to introduce to you my co-host, Bobby Walter, who is the chosen people leader in the great city of New York, home of almost two million Jewish people. So welcome, Bobby. Yes, thank you, Mitch. Uh, Shalom to you and shalom to uh, everyone who's out there listening. Uh, Mitch, you know, I I was listening to you just talk a little bit about the Torah and the importance of of just the the Jewish people passing the word of God down and essentially making it available to the entire world. And, you know, sometimes as Christians, as believers, we may not realize how much 
the Old Testament, how much the Torah in particular, those first five books of Moses, like the, the foundation of the foundation, how much it points ahead to Jesus the Messiah. Where we are today in our study in Deuteronomy 18 is one of the best passages, I think, written probably about 1,500 years before Jesus walked the earth. We find one of the most significant prophecies or descriptions of Jesus as the Messiah. Now, the Apostle Peter knew that because in Acts chapter 3, he preached one of his great early sermons, and we read, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And then he continues in verse 23, and it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among his people or among the people. So it's pretty sobering and serious words as Peter preached to a group of Jewish people who were struck with some of these early uh, miracles that the apostles did after Jesus ascended. And uh, they were probably a little more apt to listen to what Peter had to say. And you can see that because even though Peter and John were arrested after this sermon, there was still great fruit, a really great harvest in those early days of the apostolic proclamation. And so this passage was one that Peter picked out to emphasize because it's just so important. So Bobby, why don't you read the text in Deuteronomy 18 and maybe give us some insights, if you can, into this great passage. Yeah, I would love that. So really the, the prophecy that we're focusing on begins in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. And it says this, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him that you shall listen. So we can just pause right there on the first verse, right? So uh, this is Moses speaking to Israel, and he's telling Israel, the Jewish people, that the Lord your God is going to raise up a prophet like Moses. Now, why is that special? Why is that important? Well, I'm glad you asked, because when we look back, Specifically in Numbers chapter 12, we learn about sort of the uniqueness of Moses when it comes to his prophetic ministry. In Numbers chapter 12, beginning in verse 6, this is what the Lord says. He said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. With him, I speak mouth to mouth, even openly and not in dark sayings. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Powerful. Yeah, it really is. Because when you look at the ministry of the prophets and how God gives information and and revelation uh, to the prophets, God himself even says that he does it through dreams or visions or dark sayings, right? There's some uh, shroud of mystery to it. But with Moses and his prophetic ministry, it's different. He speaks with him mouth to mouth, and he beholds the form of the Lord. So, 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 so Bobby, in what ways, sorry to interrupt, but in yeah. what ways is Jesus like Moses? If Jesus is the fulfillment, what is it about Moses that, in a sense, Jesus emulates? So, you know, th- there's a lot that we could say, <laughs> especially when we look in Matthew's gospel. Uh, but we see one of the intentional things that Matthew is doing in his early chapters is setting up the connections and the, the comparisons and the parallels between Moses and Jesus. So just with the conception and the, the birth narrative of Jesus, right? So this evil Gentile Herod, this king, this ruler, gives this decree that all the babies in that region where Jesus was born are to be murdered. Same thing with Moses, right? When Mm, Pharaoh heard that uh, this 
potential leader was going to be born, he ordered that all the Hebrew babies uh, would be murdered uh, around the same time and in the same area that, that Moses was born. But I think, you know, another important connection and parallel and way that uh, Jesus is like this prophet like Moses, the fulfillment of this, is the way that Jesus interacted with the Father, the way that, that Jesus really spoke from the Father. He spoke only what God commanded him. So in, mm. in John 14, 10, Jesus said this, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. And then in John 14, 24, the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Yeah, that's great. Let's drop back just for a second. There were three great anointed offices in Israel. Mm-hmm. So uh, God always wanted to lead Israel himself, but Israel demanded a king. They struck out once with Saul, and then God decided to accommodate his people. Why God does that, I don't know, just his love. And uh, so God accommodated the Jewish people and uh, picked out David uh, as a king. And so it's very interesting to see that these anointed offices are actually what are ultimately rolled up into one person, the Mashiach, which means the anointed one, because these are the three, the theologians call them theocratic offices. In other words, they rule for God. So there were three of them, prophet, priest, and king. Mm -hmm. In order for Jesus to be the Messiah, he had to be all three. Now, we know that one day he will reign as king. We know that he died for our sins and offered a perfect sacrifice to God, therefore he is our priest. But he also, of course, needs to be a prophet. And actually the entirety of the Torah, the five books of Moses and even the whole Old Testament, point to the one who would actually roll up all of these three offices into one person. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is the prophet, priest, and king, all in one person who is anointed who rules the Jewish people and eventually the whole world on behalf of the Father. And so he absolutely needed to fulfill the prophecy of Deuteronomy 18 and be a prophet. And he was to be a prophet like Moses. And Moses was a prophet in a unique way, and Jesus was a prophet in a unique way. So we know that what he said, he said from God. How else was Jesus like Moses? Yeah. So one other thing uh, is the authority of the words of Jesus. And we, we start to see this even again in Deuteronomy 18 as we keep reading, right? So this, this is what it says in verse 16. This is according to all that you asked of the Lord your God in Horeb. Now Horeb is Mount Sinai. In Horeb on the day of the assembly saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire anymore or I will die. The Lord said to me, they have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And now here comes a very important authoritative verse here in verse 19 about the the weight of the words of this prophet. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. That's so powerful. You know, Bobby, it reminds me of the Sermon on the Mount. What do you think? Yeah, it really does. Because what Jesus does throughout the Sermon on the Mount is he establishes these contrasts, right? Mm. And specifically in chapter five, he starts speaking with great authority 
And, you know, there's even comparisons with the Beatitudes and how similar that is, uh, the whole scene there with the Beatitudes to the Ten Commandments that uh, Moses received at Sinai. And we see these contrasts where Jesus begins to say, you have heard it said, but I say to you. You have heard it said, but I say to you, and and on and on and on. And all throughout the sermon, what Jesus is doing is he is taking what Israel, what the Jewish people had established as the way to live, the way to follow God's word, and he was taking it deeper. He was taking and calling Israel, calling God's people deeper into relationship to not just the external uh, obedience to commands for the sake of obeying commands, but he was trying to get to the heart of the matter. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, everybody was amazed, not because of how eloquent he was, not because of how good looking he was. They were amazed at the authority with which he spoke. Right. So Jesus himself is, as a prophet is the last word right. on the Old Testament. It's, he's the last word on the Torah. He's the fulfillment, but he's the last word because Hebrews chapter one tells us that God spoke to the Jewish people at various times in various ways, but in these last days has spoken to us through his son. And so he is the ultimate prophet. He was also from Israel. He was Jewish. He spoke with power and authority. He was born in Bethlehem, a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was sent to minister uh, to Israel and the Jewish people. So there's no doubt that one of the key critical pieces of evidence in presenting the Messiahship of Jesus to a Jewish person or a Gentile is to demonstrate that Jesus fulfills all the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, including, and maybe even somewhat most importantly in some ways, that he was the prophet that God promised to the Jewish people. At the heart of every believer is a desire to walk in the ways of the Savior. So, this fall, we'd like to encourage you to go deeper by connecting with our Messiah's culture and the things he holds dear. Throughout the Gospels, we read that Jesus was a Jewish man in Jerusalem, celebrating the biblical feasts with his disciples. So, the feast days must be significant for us too. And to help you discover the past, present, and prophetic impact of the biblical feasts, we invite you to contact us. We have a variety of articles, books, and newsletters that will help you to learn more about these special appointed times. And you can even invite one of our speakers to your local church. To learn more or to request a church presentation, visit us online at chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And right now, we're actually going to hear from Steve Frieder. Steve also marveled at the peace and joy that Christians had. And after landing in the emergency room one night, he began a quest to learn more. I know Steve well, and he is just such a Jesus-centered Jewish guy. And I know you're going to love this testimony. And again, as I remind you almost each week, take the URL, chosenpeople.com slash radio. And if you know somebody who's a little bit like Steve... Uh, Just clip the URL, send it to a Jewish friend, and that is a great way to share the gospel with your Jewish friends. Chosen People provides these testimonies not only for your encouragement, but for you to use them in reaching your Jewish friends for Jesus. One day, Janie, three and a half, comes home from school and says, Daddy, why don't we believe in Jesus? And I'm like, realize I'm in deep trouble. 
I know I'm supposed to raise my kids Jewish. I know it's my job. And I have no idea what I believe and why I believe it. I have no idea what it means to be a Jew at this point. So at that point, I knew I had to figure this out. Back then, if I think about what I believed, what I thought Jesus was, um, to me, there were some things I knew Jesus was not. Jesus was not for the Jewish people. Um, I didn't even know if Jesus existed. I put him somewhere with Santa Claus as a fictitious story that people had made up. Um, but I did know. People that believed in Jesus that I looked back on my life, there was something different about them, that they had a peace and a joy about them. Edna Burns, wow. She, an uh, amazing black woman, came from the South, took a bus up, no job, no money. Um, her teeth were even dentures or something. They weren't even real teeth. But what I loved about Edna, and everyone loves Edna, everyone knew there was something different about Edna in my family. She had so much wisdom, she had so much love, so much patience, and we knew she loved Jesus and we knew there was something different about Edna. 34, 35, maybe 40 years after Edna entered our house and was one of the major influences in my life that I just am so thankful for every day. She passes away. I'm so asleep, probably selfish, that as opposed to going to this woman that took care of me forever, I say, I'm not gonna go. I wanna play in a tennis tournament. So I walk into that funeral and it is deep, deep center Philadelphia, but there were mouths running through it. It was dirty. Um, it was a church that was built, and I think about it, there was maybe 20 benches there. Um, they were kind of beaten up, and it was just a room. But if I look back in that room at that time, there was so much spirit and passion and excitement and joy. And Edna, who they loved, had passed away. And I will never forget that moment and the joy and the excitement in that room for Jesus. I grew up in a great Reformed Jewish family where Judaism was so important to us. Um, and the rabbi was, was a great family friend, very smart man, and uh, someone I had a lot of respect for. It's just a beautiful temple with, with great ceilings and great, great drawings on the roof and, and a beautiful choir. That Reformed Judaism was a huge part of my life. But to me, there was something missing there. We read about David and we read the Psalms and we read the Torah, but did we really believe it? Did the rabbi believe it? Or was it just a story that we were hearing? It's Yom Kippur. I'm still focused on what it's like to be a Jew. So we go through Yom Kippur. Um, I'm fasting like a good Jew does. My heart is pounding. I am itching all over. I can't breathe. And we barely get to the hospital in time. The people at the hospital saved my life. and. I think I'm having a heart attack and about to die. I'm basically in anaphylactic shock and my body shuts down. What happened on that day, I look back on it and it was a clear wake up call. And I knew that again, still God's chasing me and I have to figure something out at this point. That again, pushed me on my journey to really try and figure out what is the truth and do I, what do I believe? Now I'm really starting to research. Now I'm reading. I went 35 years and I didn't read anything. So I read more in two years than I had in my whole life combined. I read a book by Stan Telchin called Betrayed. Stan is a, a gentleman that was trying to convince others that uh, his daughter was wrong because she came home and said that she was Jewish and that Jesus was real. And Stan's whole mission was to prove her wrong. All of a sudden, I put it down 
And I said to my friend, this is me. What he said here is exactly what I'm going through. God at this point begins to send more and more people that I used to think were weird, maybe less, but there was some peace that they had. And for me, they had the truth. And there was some, some level of uh, peace and comfort and assurance that they were walking around with. And I became envious of that. There was a, a great teacher um, in New York City, uh, a preacher named Tim Keller. And I remember hearing him and everything he said made sense. It was so simple, it was so orderly. And I look at that in contrast to the teaching that I had in the Reformed Temple. It's, I said to myself, where is the Jewish Tim Keller? And I realized it was because Tim had truth on his side and the Reformed Rabbi was doing a great job being a good person, but he didn't have the truth in the foundation. The only thing I thought I knew was that Jesus Yeshua was not for the Jews. Now I'm 100% sure as I look at the Torah and I read the Bible that Jesus is for the Jews. At Chosen People Ministries, we want Jewish people around the globe to hear the gospel. And by joining our Watchmen for Jerusalem program, you can help us reach this goal. Your generous giving will enable us to support our staff in the United States, Israel, and around the world as they witness to Jewish people every single day. Your support will also fund our Messianic Jewish centers and congregations in busy Jewish communities such as Tel Aviv, Rio de Janeiro, and right here in New York City. And then finally, your gifts will allow us to continue our digital evangelism efforts through social media and our online discipleship program. Learn more today or sign up online when you go to chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. Or ask to join our Watchmen for Jerusalem program when you call 888-293-7482. That's 888-2-YESHUA, Y-E-S-H-U-A. Thanks. We look forward to hearing from you soon. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to learn more about this weekly program, then let me encourage you to stop by our website and explore. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. The Jewish New Year is right around the corner. And in honor of this holiday, we're offering a free Messianic calendar to help you start the year off right. Wow, that's great, Bobby. You're going to love this Messianic calendar. It will give you a tour of the chosen people staff and works in over 20 countries around the globe. You'll learn more about Jewish people, and it will become a way to fuel your prayer life so that you can pray for the salvation of Jewish people in practical ways by praying for what I hope will be your mission to the Jewish people, chosen people ministries. Bobby, in ancient times, there were actually four New Year's Days on the Jewish calendar. The one that's coming up at the end of the month is what we call Rosh Hashanah. Rosh meaning head, Hashanah meaning the year. So it's the head of the year. And it happens to be the first of the three great fall festivals listed in Leviticus chapter 23. And this calendar not only lists out all the biblical holidays, but it also speaks to what I mentioned about our outreaches around the world. So you get everything You get a complete Jewish calendar with all the holidays noted, and you learn more about God's work among the Jewish people today. So request it. It's free. It's our gift to you. 
when you connect with us online by going to chosenpeople.com slash radio, or you can call us at 888-2-YESHUA, Y-E-S-H-U-A, that's Hebrew for Jesus, it's 888-293-7482, 888-2-YESHUA. And now, let's wrap up today's program with the Aaronic Benediction. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha Ya'er panavelecha v'yichunecha Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasem lecha Shalom, v'yasem l'cha shalom, v'yasem l'cha shalom, v'yasem l'cha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.